That's delicious. That's a delicious beverage. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Dean. Yeah, there we go. Nice to see everybody. It is Monday. We are here to start the week with uh, some friends. Lachlan Cross, as always, joins us from 95.7 Cruise FM in Edmonton. 95.7 Cruise FM in Edmonton, host of The Locker Room. Uh, Edmonton's biggest rock and roll radio show. You can listen every single weekday morning if you're online, 957cruisefm.ca. What? What are you doing? Why are you laughing at me? I like, I like that you, you pop my tires, so thank you. You want to change your microphone setting, by the way, so I can hear oh. Or at least turn it around, maybe? Turn, turn it around. around. Oh, is it bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a, a computer audio there. That's what we're doing. And we fixed David Wallace's audio. He's standing by. Um, but we haven't fixed yours, apparently. So you got to fix right, it. All right. Well, fixy, let's fixy, have a look here. Um, anyway, Lachlan's here. I'm here. We're going to get to David Wallace. Uh, he's got a new book out called The Klondike Papers. It's kind of a collection of, all, of a whole bunch of dumb shit that, that he was found in the middle of uh, while he was a fixer for the rich, the famous elites, if you will, uh, as well as some conservative party of Canada members. And we're going to get to the bottom of a couple of items in the Klondike Papers today because I read some of it the other day. Fascinating read. Um, and when you talk to a guy like Dave Wallace, you're like, is this true? Can this really be true? And we've got some pictures to show you, too. We've got a couple of other receipts to show you. So it's going to be an interesting ride today. We're also going to talk about a Rebel News cruise. That's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> so much fun. Am I better? Is my yeah, audio yeah. better? Yeah, much better. Okay. Yeah, you sound like a million. All right. um, uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, a few other things, including the eggnog bullshit. Uh, last week, you went off on how eggnog was a beverage, which it's not. It's like a an account. No, 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 no. I don't I even mind if you don't. Week no, by the eggnog crowd. By the way, I, online, I, I got I took so many eggnog bullets this week from eggnog lovers. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with the whole eggnog crew. If you like eggnog, I'm not your friend. That's my whole deal. No, listen, week. listen. I didn't have a problem with you not liking eggnog. My thing was you were making fun of my eggnog. When yeah. I got to sit there and watch you go off about pumpkin spice every year in September. And I'm like, that's weird. The fact that you like pumpkin spice and don't like eggnog. I don't know why the two. It just everybody I've said it to can't articulate my point for me, but they all don't have it. one. You can't shit on eggnog when you're a pumpkin spice fan. You well, just first can't. of all, first of all, I wrote an article this week, uh, which I meant from the bottom of my heart, that says, "quote I do not give a single shit when anybody says or thinks." So there's we got to preface everything with that. So everything that I do, preface it, and everything I say with no matter what I say, there is a no convincing me I'm wrong because to arrive at a conclusion, I deliberate over a long period of time, and I'm happy to be wrong. Happy to be wrong. B. I don't care what anybody says because I got a finite amount of time and I'll never control other people. And I'm not the guy sitting here trying to get you to drink eggnog or pumpkin spice anything. I happen to like pumpkin spice creamer in my coffee. That's the thing. Also, candy cane mocha. Silk makes a nice one. I enjoy that. I enjoy a nice almond or oat milk with cream and like maybe vanilla or hazelnut. I like to flavor my coffee. I would never flavor my coffee with eggnog. If you begged me, if you said I have no creamer, you got to drink black. I'll drink black. I'll drink it all black. I oh, just don't like eggnog. However, you're making a huge mistake. My problem last week with the eggnoggers, like you, 
was that you guys treat it like it's a delicious beverage that comes around for a month or two a year. It it's is. In it's in every single cooler across grocery store Canada for 12 months of the year. You can get it 12 months of the year. Nobody buys it. And at Christmas time, everybody's like, maybe I'll take a take a flyer on the eggnog. Maybe I'll try and figure this whole thing out. And it's the same result every time. You can have one or two, maybe with a bunch of rum. Maybe you might put it in your coffee. But generally speaking, you forget about eggnog. And why do we forget about eggnog? Because it's shit. Every single same time I've had eggnog, I've regretted it. Totally. 100%. Pumpkin spice comes around. The thing with eggnog 100%. is I always, I always, the thing with me, I'm always looking for vehicles to get alcohol into my system, right? And eggnog is because I can't drink hard the delivery booze. system. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So I'm always looking for different delivery systems. Yeah, I get it. It's right? a delivery. And, it's a delivery I, item. I don't yeah, like pop. I, I've tried to stay away from pop because I think pop is is just it's evil. So eggnog has always been an excellent alcohol delivery system. I'm gonna try something when we talked about this after you got off the air with us last week on the eggnog conversation. It's a hot topic, dude. We had like we tens of thousands of views of that stupid eggnog video that we put out where we were literally arguing about the merits of eggnog being good well, or bad. And I was shocked. Dude, I'm like, seriously. I, are people looking we for an outlet? An eggnog. We we spent an hour after that going over um, eggnog mixes, like drinks, and one came in that I've actually had about five or six people say to me they tried this weekend. They're what sending me pictures. What is it? It's eggnog and fireball. It's called fire nog. <laughs> fireball whiskey, the cinnamon whiskey. <laughs> That's apparently it's like the two that's are like just the alcoholics. That's like the alcoholics after dinner coffee. That's what that is. Should we have a fireball whiskey and eggnog to wash? Well, I've always for years I've always uh, had it part. in the golf bag for birdie juice. Oh, okay. right, that's different. Yeah, so that's that's. Uh, but I'm gonna. I've just recently ran out of Fireball, but I'm going to go buy a bottle and I'm going to try Fireball and eggnog, and I'll let you know what it's like. It'll be good. Everyone's everyone that's been trying it this weekend after our conversation last week has been raving about it. That's because you live in Alberta, by the way. Well, and I do I do attract the drinking crowd. I believe that do. the the people that like to drink tend to tune into the locker. I gotta, I gotta tell you something. Tend to someone that listens to a lot of Rush or, um, you know, loves to drink and lives in that part of the world. I don't know if yeah. they've got super refined palates. And I'm not even being a Toronto douche. I'm not. I'm just saying. You know, generally speaking, someone that listens to a classic rock station. Uh, probably has a few smokes in the garage before he goes to work. And so he's probably not one of those guys that's like, hmm, you know what this eggnog would go really nice with? Fireball whiskey. Like, it's he's one of those dudes. He's not a guy that, like, really appreciates the flavor profile of anything. If it has sugar and booze in it, he's all down. Well, listen, there are stereotypes for a reason. But I have always been surprised at the audience that we attract like yeah. if i go out for an event and it's known that i'm out and we're doing something charity whatever the whatever it is doesn't matter i'm always very surprised at the group of people that come out that listen to to tend to 
enjoy our show. So it's a it's a cross section of society, mm. right? I'm just suggesting That's a nice way to that, say it. Yes, it is. I and I'm always surprised too when like a nice looking, well put together woman with an office job and she drives a nice car. She drives a Mazda three. Likes our show. Oh, it's right? a nice Mazda three. Is a nice car. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice car. I didn't want to douche it up, throw Audi in there. Yeah, oh, no, no one wants to do that. Anyway, I uh, just wanted to let you know that the whole eggnog thing threw me off all week, all weekend, and I was sick this it's weekend, funny. and I was like, and we there was some major news this weekend, too. Like, we got the war in Israel and Gaza. We got yeah. all kinds of stuff, and the number one thing in my timeline was people mocking me about my hatred for eggnog. I'm like, seriously. <laughs> Seriously, eggnog. Eggnog is more important than all these other geopolitical things we're going through. Eggnog, I, uh, of all the things, I do enjoy that. When I, it's it's, I think it's a product of the times we're living in right now. People need a break from the heaviness, so they're quite open to having a conversation about eggnog, the pros and cons of it, as opposed to another half an hour discussion about whatever political situation we're in the middle of. I think it's a sign of of people needing a break. I do. I had to turn the TV off. Just watching the news lately is what this weekend you did. So bothersome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Friday. I think it was Thursday or Friday. I was like, what I, I gotta. I, I need to take a break. What bugged you? What was it? Was it the uh, war protests? It's, the warring protests over the war? No, none. Of, protest, I, none war, of the protest protests war. bother me. I think the frustration of a situation that there's no right or wrong there's no solutions there's no end game there's no right you got a a, a, a just an un, unconceivable terrorist attack like yeah. something i can't even wrap my head around just the most horrific thing and then a response to it and and everyone is struggling with how to digest the information i figured right? it out this weekend do you want me to share with wow. you? You want me to share you my yeah. thoughts before you get to David Wallace and the Klondike papers? David Wallace standing by with new gear. His audio is incredible. His microphone is so velvety. It's awesome. Um, let me t tell you, because I had a conversation with a couple of people, a um, couple of eh, influencers, celebrities, guys that do this, that are Jewish this week. Because I needed to understand what it was like. Because, listen, I, my opinion is firm. I don't, I don't get into Abrahamic war faith opportunities. I just don't. Not interested in talking about what side I'm on. Are you on the Gaza side? Are you on the Israeli side? Are you on the Muslim side? Are you on the Christian side? Are you on the Zionist side? Or are you on the Muslim Brotherhood side? I don't play that. None of that. Can I we just be on a human interested. side and just exactly. say out loud? I'm on uh, the innocent civilians human side. However, let me just say this. If someone asks me, not that anybody is asking me for my military opinion, but let me explain this to you. Someone asked me what I think about Israel's response. And I take it right out of the religion, right out of the geopolitical arena. And I try to dumb it down and popularize it so people can understand it. If I walked up to someone twice, maybe four times my size, and punched them as hard as I fucking could right in the face, and they started to beat the ever-loving shit out of me, I don't have the right to say, whoa, whoa, that's too much. Hamas started a war with a yeah. fucking terrorist attack where they murdered 1,400 people and took 300 hostages. Fourth biggest military power in the world. 
sorry, it's war. It is. It's terrible to watch. I don't sign anybody. I don't. My my desired result is stop at this point. But it is what it is. It is and something what it has is. to be done about the terrorist side of it. And, and I understand I mean, that. But hospital right now. Hamas is under a hospital. They had to evacuate because they hide under hospitals and schools. And everybody's like, stop bombing around the hospital. Well, they attacked Israel and murdered 1,400 people in broad daylight. And sh- like a terrorist attack, like 9-11 shit. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that's war, man. That's That's been tens of thousands of years of war. No quarter. No, it's the way it works. Is it sad? 100%. 100%. But you want me to stump for one side or the other? No fucking way. I look at it from a very realistic perspective, and everybody else should too. That is, this is going to happen when one country or one group decides to attack one of the biggest superpowers in the fucking world. You expect well, to stop? And with, with no. way, way more involved than any of us will ever understand. Totally. And there's there's tons of that, that, religious that, implications, I mean, geographic implications. I'm just talking about zooming as far out as you can in people who are sick of the like I'm I, I don't watch any of the shit. I watch none of it. I don't know what's going on on the day to day. I don't know anything about a ceasefire or four hour windows. I don't watch any of it because I can't change it. And I'm not going to change it today. And my opinion's not going to matter. Nobody else's opinion is going to matter. Listen, it doesn't matter how many flags you put on the end of a broomstick, how many times you go to Nathan Phillips Square, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is going to happen. So you can there's get busy things, doing though, other are, or you can get busy living in it. Sorry, go ahead. There's things that are happening that I'm that I'm just absolutely just I can't even explain why I'm so wound up about it i i we have we have people in that country right now that have canadian passports they're canadian citizens they went over there on vacation lived in canada 35 years 30 25 years plus well first of all their biggest mistake is going to gaza on vacation but whatever dean doesn't matter they're there yep we can't get them out not allowed to leave like can you wrap your head around like, like, what is that? What is that? Why is that a thing? Like, it, it, it. That's making me just driving me insane. Like, get them out of there. There like, are. I don't the Irish are not allowed to leave. There's a couple hundred Canadians, Americans, or people all over the world that are not allowed to leave, and they're not allowed what? to leave. Why? Because no Why? one's allowed to cross the border into any neighboring countries because the Arab countries that are around Israel refuse to take anybody because of the PLO shit that's been happening for like 30 years, 40 years. Because every time they take in refugees from that area of the world, they militarize you fly in somebody they from Canada. In. You fly in a, a, a group yep. of people, you stop at the border, you go across, of- you grab everybody, you put them on planes, and you get them fucking home. Yep. Right? That Hospitals, would be ideal. I mean, yeah. you get them what they need to operate. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's in the basement. Like I, that's, that's my problem with it. Like, I understand that they're using them as it just. You've been watching the Ukraine war for a long period of time, right? You've been watching the Ukraine, Russia, the invasion of Russia and Ukraine apply the same fervor, apply the same virtues, values from that to this, right? 
which is I look at that and I'm like, hey, spoils of war. Ukraine, like literally the last two days, they killed 7,000 Russians. It's the last two days. Am I upset because they're innocent? Nope. Not at all. If it ha- if any of this shit happened to us, would I be upset? Nope. People get caught in, the cross- caught in the crossfire of war all the fucking time. And so you got to live in that reality. As sad as you are and as upsetting as it is, it is mm-hmm. going to be what it is. It is war. That's it. Yeah. No, and, and, and I get that. I understand that. And I understand that there's casualties. It just, it seems, it just seems to me there's so much about these two conflicts right now that are, and, and, and we have conflicts like this all the time. These ones are in the news. It just seems to me. This one's only been going on for a couple thousand years, by the way. Yeah, but the, the one thing that really gets me is I, I keep going back to the. It's 2023. Yeah, like we're not be able making to talk any stuff progress. Out. We're not being able to. We're not making any progress here. No, right? Like uh, it's we got no. It's not, are it we? Is and it isn't. Yeah, no, we don't. I mean, these are last gasps. This is the way the life has always been. This is the way the world has always operated. Every 65 to 70 years, we get this resurgence of hatred, autocraticism, or autocracy, if you will, theocracy, if you will. Um, I mean, it's just the, the world is in turmoil. And I'm telling you, dude, Russia wants this to happen, right? Like, they absolutely helped. And a gentleman who understands that from a geopolitical level because he's worked with some of the people who are involved, please welcome uh, former conservative fixer, fixer for the elite, David Wallace at Pick Six Nineteen Eighty Nine is his uh, Twitter handle. He's got a new uh, book out. It's a novella, uh, and it's a collection of some of the work that he's done over the years called the Klondike Papers. And if you go to his Twitter handle, and if you get in the bio of this podcast, you can actually go and buy yourself a copy of it. it, it you just put the Klondike Papers out, David, uh, how long ago, and you're going to another print? Is that what I understand? Uh, yeah, I uh, advertised about a week ago, and we sold out of all the copies, 500 copies, which was yeah. a huge surprise. Uh, I've ordered another 500 from the printer. Um, mm-hmm. I think they'll go pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Revelations of a Rat Flucker, uh, borrowing liberally from Jesse Brown's title of last year's podcast. Um, if you're a fan of the Sherman mystery and Apotex murders, um, you, uh, you're in for a rare treat. Uh, transcripts from detectives who were involved in the case, private team members, family, lawyers, uh, all kinds of rat fucking going on there. And uh, uh, some other interesting cases are uh, also political cases. And uh, just to weigh in on the eggnog argument, uh, yeah, you know, it's very, very important. Yes, please. Um, um, usually at a party, uh, you can have a nice rum. Uh, I like Captain Morgan Spice rum, that's just me. But you get the rum. Good rum. And uh, you make sure that it's it's open, it's had time to breathe. Yeah. You yeah. pour it and then you take the eggnog that the guest brought. You, yeah. you open it up and you fire that fucker directly down the sink. You don't let it touch <laughs> your, your rum. And then you smack whichever guest brought it and never invite them again. Um, <laughs> horrible, horrible shit. It's just my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> boy. See, he's with me. Good start. Eggnog Good start. Too. Nobody likes eggnog. Nobody. It is. A, it is a death. It is a death drink. It's one of those drinks you give to people when you're like, I'm okay everything. You don't like you eggnog. eggnog. I'm going back to this. All right. To the earlier point, and then we got to move on. All right. We have to move on. You have to let it go. Okay. 
I just had a problem with you, pumpkin spice boy, yeah. shitting on eggnog. No problem. It's a creamer. And everybody you that I have said that out loud. might make it taste better. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, David. Well, anyway, you listen, the Klondike papers are out. Before we get into that, we're leading into the Israel-Gaza thing. How happy does this war make Russia? Listen, you've done a ton of work in Russia. What do you know about when, what went into funding getting this opportunity off the ground in Hamas? Like, you're connected with some of the cats that are real fucking deep in this, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this was, again, a move on the chessboard, a necessary move. Um, Hamas is a terrorist organization. There's no getting around that. I have great sympathy and um, um, my heart goes out to the people of Palestine, uh, innocent civilians and children who are being murdered, innocent uh, Israeli children and, and uh, civilians being murdered. This is not at all a judgment on the uh, Palestinian people. Hamas is a tool of repressive regimes such as Putin's. They are funded and they are used um, to advance policies, advanced uh, business relationships. And let's face it, war is big business. And uh, Hamas is the tip of the spear to ensure that conflict in the Middle East um, is brought to a head. Um, I don't think this will end well for Hamas. Unfortunately, I think uh, there'll be great human suffering for more Palestinian children, uh, more Palestinian civilians, which is absolutely deplorable. But uh, as long as there is a Russian Federation, these types of terrorist attacks will not only increase, but will become the norm. So how does that happen? Like, explain that to me because, sorry, Locke, I just wanted to jump in. I know you just said you had something to say. I apologize. But how does how does Putin fund a war? How do they coordinate? I know that Hamas went and met with Putin a while ago. But, like, what is the interest? Is it to distract from what's when he's getting his ass kicked in Ukraine? Uh, is it because they're trying to tire out NATO forces? Do they legitimately just hate Israel? And is it just more anti-Semitism? What is it? Or is it just trying to like support Iran and other Axis countries who also hate the same people he hates? Like, Explain that to me if you can. Pull money from the U.S. to Israel so that they stop funding Ukraine. Yeah, maybe. Ukraine. Yeah. Well, it's 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 uh, Putin right now understands that NATO needs to have their 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 resources spread. Um, taking a ready-made conflict, which the Middle East is, let's face it, it's a it's a historic uh, place of war. Um, sure. No matter how you want to look at it, but it's smart tactics. Um, starting a conflict and spreading NATO's strength and NATO's resources logistically. Um, Mm-hmm. weapons wise is is the only move that can be made right now and iran is the linchpin here um russia the russian federation vladimir putin has propped up the iranian regime from day one they need to do this um, now we're in a position where iran is gaining strength on a yearly basis and um, the political will that they have to use extreme measures such as nuclear weapons um these things are, are, are foremost in NATO's leadership of NATO's minds. It's a pressure point, and it will allow them to take their foot off the gas, so to speak. And there will be, um, unfortunately, as a byproduct, uh, dwindling support 
both financially and uh, um, psychologically for the troops from the Ukraine. That's just what's going to happen. And it's not because NATO wants to take the foot off the gas. It's because they will be required to. So it's a very smart tactical play by Putin. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of situations politically, David, you you have you have situate you have miscalculations, you have unintended consequences. And I'm not suggesting that that you're wrong or that there wasn't an attempt by the Russian government to um, have something like this take place in order to take the world's eye off of what they're doing in Ukraine. Um, but do you think that there's an outside chance that they may have miscalculated Israelis' response to this? Because not only have they done something they haven't done in the past where they've gone in there and this is an all-out like they, they're not going to stop until Hamas no. They're looking in the corners, underneath the mattress. They are fucking pulling Gaza up. They are apart. going to blow that country apart. Yeah, absolutely. and not only that, this this conflict has also galvanized Israelis from around the world. Um, and I, I mean, take the the um, you know, and the, the Arab countries we're going to have Arab countries too. Arab countries have been galvanized yep. around the world too. I mean, you look at what's going on in, in Toronto. Uh, is that you know, a miscalculation, I mean, though, David? I mean, just to 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 actually put a bow on the question, I I I think when Russia, if there was a, if Russia was doing this on purpose, and there was this idea of chaos, take the eye at the ball, is this? Are they looking at this and going, "Oh shit, I didn't expect this"? Do you think there's a little bit of that right now? No, I think it worked brilliantly because the focus really? wasn't really on Israel. Uh, having conflict between the Arab nations and Israel was really not the main function of this move. The main function was to create chaos and dissent in North American circles to weaken. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by FactCheck.io. FactCheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software, that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. .io. Back to the show. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io. Do you believe? The good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources. And there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T 
C H E K dot I O. F A K T C H E K dot I O. The world's most robust fact checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip and they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot I-O. NATO at its heart. And it's being oh, very effective. Oh, okay. dude. Now we're talking, right? Now we're talking mm-hmm. about the chaos that has been sown in this country by the same assholes over the past, like, two to five years. Well, let's just call mm-hmm. it the pandemic. Is I can lump the convoy into that. You can lump January 6th into that. You can lump the farmer's bullshit in the Netherlands into that. You can literally look at any kind of fucking unrest in any country, and that's the goal, right? The goal is how do we show as much unrest? How do we make people in other countries fear for their lives so they look at that fear and want to turn to strong leadership or want to turn to our people or at the very least will question their very safe existence? Like it's their way of reaching into other countries. Is that not correct? That is absolutely correct. They're silent weapons for Quiet wars, undeclared wars, and by doing this, they strike at the hearts of their main enemies because without North American support, NATO will fall apart. That's just the way it is. Um, if you can sow societal unrest in the United States, can uh, the making um, they are in a huge way. You will see Russian advancing in Ukraine. Ukraine will fall apart in a lot of ways. You can see the focus has shifted away from the Ukraine, the spend on weapons, the spend on military support. It's already dwindling. And this was by design. It was really a brilliant tactical move. I'm not saying it was a, a, a move that I agree with, but it certainly is one of the moves. And there are, yeah, yeah, you saw that. Like the second this whole thing happened, the second this whole thing happened, you had the American military industrial complex agree with you know, certain people on the right that it was time to stop funding certain aspects of the Ukraine war and start funding to the tune of four to five billion dollars another war in the Middle East on behalf of Israel, right? Like you literally saw that get kind of sucked out of the machine, David, to your point. You sure did. And uh, if current trend continues, I believe that the war in Ukraine will be wrapped up by Russia uh, pretty soon because you can't fight if you don't have the money and the weapons to fight with. And uh, really, if you look at it, We've been split down board. It's uh, it was a very astute uh, maneuver, and it's something that they've been moving towards for decades through, through unrest. I mean, look at the narratives that go on in our media. The we have people, our own citizens, fighting in the streets and harming each other, depending on where they fall on the Israeli-Palestinian scale. Um, when really uh, we should be NATO as peacekeepers, but we're being driven in, into a conflict, and we're being uh, forced into picking sides. This is how you make an enemy a strong weak. So yeah, yeah, fascinating, dude. It's yeah. absolutely, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm just going to get you to clean up your audio if you can. Log out, log out, and log back in again, David. Uh, real quick, just because your audio is starting to glitch. If you can, you sound great. You're just glitching. You're nice and clean. Okay. Uh, but if you can log out and log back in again, because I got to talk to you about it. Yeah, see, this is the th- stuff that nobody is talking about right now, Lachlan. Right? No, he's talking wonder, about like, like, like it's, just, it's just like outside 
sort of narrative that sits on the outside of the conversation, which is like, well, what was the point of this? Like, how did Iran, how did Russia help? Because they did help. Those are documented uh, examples of Russia bringing Hamas in, helping them plan. Mm -hmm. Hamas and Iran are like, hey, thank you to our friends in Russia for making this whole thing possible. You got like spare Russian parts on hang gliders that were found. Like it literally was for that reason. And you know what's funny? Is that we're not hearing anything about it from anybody else because they're too afraid to actually address that issue. The fact what that is this that, is an operation. What, ex, explain that fear to, to me. Explain that 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 lack of. Is it how is it how we present the news? Is I it, don't know. I is, think it's is, like is it World War Three shit. Like if someone asked me the other day and someone did, they're like, "Yeah, what do you make of anything?" I'm like, "Listen, I'm out. I zoom out. I'm just worried about the people." But. I said to them, this is how World War III is being fought. And I believe that to be true, is that you've got superpowers that have super nukes that if they went up against each other would scare the shit out of everybody else. And so you've got them feeding into these proxy wars in different areas of the country or the world, right? Russia, Ukraine, Russia's got China, you know, uh, Iran supplying them with shit, China supplying them with shit. Now they're getting help from those fucking turd eaters in North Korea. And then, you know, you've got uh, Ukraine, you've got Canada, every every democratically elected government feeding money and war, uh, you know, items into Ukraine, to try and help them with infrastructure so they can fight the war. Uh, and now you got the same thing in Israel. Like, it's just a matter of time before this happens somewhere else again, where we're doing all these little proxy wars. But really, it's World War Three and skirmishes breaking out as we see it. And I know that's a big, scary phrase, but dude, it's like on. I'm hearing we're, it more We're having it now. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why I was so stressed out this week over it because I, I've actually almost daily now I'm hearing somebody on some news channel reference World War Three, even in Canada. It's I, happening. I'd like it's to see on. David come back and 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 maybe he has a better insight into why we don't have these types of conversations in mainstream media, though. Well, like, I, I think when you I bring think a, when you Go when ahead. you bring somebody on, like, ah, we got a professional and he's he studies military la, 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 from, you know, whatever fucking university, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Why are, it? does it diminish the, the, the conflict that we're actually watching? Does it diminish that by sitting there going, okay, there's a bigger game being played and then you start putting the pieces together on the chessboard and you start having the conversation about, you know, like the David's having, you know, yeah. Russia wants this because of this and, and then Iran's involvement and da, 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 right. I, maybe, maybe we are, maybe we're too scared to have that conversation because none of us want to actually believe that there is a, that there is a more nefarious thing behind the scenes. Yeah, David, just while you jumped out and jumped back in again, um, like someone made a comment about World War Three. I mean, that's really what this is. You've got superpowers feeding proxy, uh, fighting a proxy war in different countries, and they're all doing it right. Like, Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's happening in Russia with Russia in Ukraine with uh, Korea, North Korea. China, Iran, and then you've got the West, just every democratically elected country just feeding shit into that area. Now it's happening again. Like this is, it's World War Three, but it's like a quiet World War Three. It'd be like, you know, if but World why War Three couldn't get why a Why aren't conversations like the one that we're having, David? Why aren't they happening? Like why, why does the mainstream media stay away from the, this, this, what this conversation is? Do, do you have any insight? Well, they stay away. It, it's pretty clear. It's. I mean, we are 
in World War III. It has already started. It started on multiple fronts. The mainstream media simply doesn't report on it because if they do, enough people, citizens, uh, people from all walks of life, no matter what political stripe, they might stand up and do something about it and try to put an end to it. Um, there are far too many interests, military industrial complex, business interests, people who stand to benefit from the conflict. Therefore, mainstream media's job is to keep us calm, keep us calm, but in a state of unrest that will allow this war to uh, proceed. It's the same reason why some bullets were put in the head of President John F. Kennedy. When you try to extricate a country from a military conflict or stepping up a military conflict such as Vietnam, um, that man had to go. And he had to go because it was putting a dent in the bottom line of the military industrial complex, who therefore installed their own gentleman, Mr. Lyndon Johnson, who became president, who escalated the conflict. A democratically elected president, a Democrat um, who was a war hawk and led the United States into ever deeper conflict with Southeast Asia. These are the same things that are going on right now. Um, and you see governments um, across the globe, such as our government in Canada, which is flawed. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a liberal fanboy. But you see a government that is being undermined at every step of the process simply because they aren't all in mm. on supporting global third world war is that a weakness of justin conflict. trudeau's though like his lack of involvement internationally is he seen as a bit of a and i listen i'm not a fan of him either um but no way it but i think i think people outside of our country looking in view him as somewhat of a joke is that fair to say and that he is not going to He's going to say the right things at the right times, potentially, but he's never actually going to get involved and make a difference. Is is that fair to say? That's fair. It's absolutely fair to say. I mean, let's face it. The liberal government does a lot of talking, and, and their points that they talk on are, are, are great points. They're, I mean, everybody wants to live in a progressive society. Everybody wants to live in a society where you're not discriminated against uh, based on your, your sexuality, your religion, your creed, uh, you, any of these things. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and education, healthcare, these are all fantastic things. And, and the liberal government does a great job talking about these things, but the follow through has been shit. And it's been shit because they have let business get in the way. Um, therefore, this government is seen as tired. It's fatigue. And people, they will not be voting for the Conservative Party of Canada because they love the Conservative Party of Canada or they believe in their principles, but simply because they are the only alternative that is on the board. And that government will run out of steam quickly, too. I mean, people who yeah. are thinking Pierre Polivare is the answer to all of Canada's ills might want to look back at the final years of the Harper regime. They were a deeply unpopular government. They were extremely unpopular with the conservatives which is why they held their nose and voted or more accurately did not vote. And the liberal party took power. I mean, this government right now that we have is its boat is full of holes, corruption holes, uh, tired ideas, not tired ideas, but, but uh, disingenuous statements. Yeah. If you are a liberal and you believe in progressive policies, but damn it, apply those policies. Move forward with them. Govern based on those policies. Don't govern based on uh, being um, contrary to everything conservative. 
I mean, this is the problem. People need to look at where we're standing right now. It's just like in Ontario. Kathleen Wynne's regime was removed, and anybody sitting in the conservative leader's chair would have won that election. Patrick Brown, Doug Ford, Mickey Mouse. It wouldn't have mattered because at the end of the day, it was a deeply unpopular government that was filled with corruption. Oh, yeah. I'm not taking any value judgments on anybody. Very well put. David, very well. Any party that has been in power for for a number of years is uh, basically the public uh, is tired of them because they're tired of the scandals. When's the Um, last time we've ever gone to the polls and not held our nose? I I can't remember voting. Like, it was like in 19, maybe 20. Like, like, I was I'm, excited about voting when I turned of age. That's about it. Yeah, I think there was yeah, a moment there where yeah. I actually thought I had a, I actually had a say in that there was a point to the whole fucking thing. Did and, you yeah, see? That, did you see that, the latest poll? And listen, let me remind you that only psychos sit for fifteen-minute phone-in polls. So of course, conservatives are going to get the big lifts, right? Like of course. But the latest poll has like the conservatives at and and Polyev, who literally on the weekend came out against. Uh, the LGBT community. Like, he literally came out and he's like, I'm against being forced to believe in gay people. And I was like, you're a fucking loser. Um, anyway. All he has to do is look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get to that because I want to talk about the Klondike papers. And, and, and I don't have a problem with him being the prime minister because we've got enough institutions in the middle of this whole fucking thing that it doesn't matter who the guy is. Sure, he'll God, sell sorry. some of our shit and enrich his friends, but every government does that. And he's just gaslighting Absolutely. his way to it. And I still don't believe he'll win. But I want to know who his dad is because the Klondike what papers... Who's your daddy? Doing? No, I want to get into this. Who's your daddy, Pierre? Doing? I want to get into it. Why secret. do we, every leader, do we have to question his father? The sperm yeah, count. Well, like, I don't the whole it. thing about Paul, the whole thing about Trudeau is that he's Castro's son. Remember that? And I now, love that. Yeah, I know. And I think it's funny. So why are we not doing the same thing with PP? Because the Klondike papers make some insinuations that uh, Pierre Polyev's uh, biological father is a bit of a mystery, but it also leans into the idea that he looks a lot like Stephen Harper's lawyer, Jerry, Jerry Shapur. Like he looks a lot like Jerry. <laughs> and how so, old is Jerry? Uh, he's like old enough to be Pierre's dad. I'll tell you that. Is um, it? Oh is yeah, he? dude. Yeah. And he, this guy is, you know, if the election were today, which is why everybody is trying to get Justin Trudeau to resign or quit so he can trigger an election. So these guys can walk away with it. But I mean, Come on, like who? Like there's a because here's what we know about Pierre Paul. There we go. Fuck this. Is I mean, okay, so I want to dig into this because I find it very funny. Because listen, if we can, and I have I done been doctored? No, not at all. That's a real picture. I I I want to point this out. I had a lot of fun at Justin Trudeau's expense with the whole. Castro might be his dad. Like the whole thing I was still a lot think of fun. That's true. It's not. It's hundred percent untrue. Although it's fun to bat around, right? It's fun to troll people with it because they get it. You're not going to convince me that that's not his father. Okay. Well, can I convince you after looking at this picture that Stephen Harper's lawyer know. Gerald Shapur is not? I'm in Pierre the boat Paul and I'm paddling on the lake. We'll just leave it at that. 
Oh my God. So what do we know, David? Uh, and we'll get to some other Klondike paper shit in a minute, but you've just put it out. If you go to his Twitter handle at pick six, 1989, you can pre-order a copy. It's going to second print. It's really a collection of like information around the Sherman murders, uh, some stuff with the Plymouth Brethren church, which we've dealt with here. But the thing that really tickles my fancy is this whole fucking thing about Pierre and Gerald Shapur, which is Stephen Harper's lawyer and the chief counsel for the International Democratic Union, which we'll get to in a second. What's going on here? Why do they look so similar? And what's the rumor? Can you explain that to me? Uh, I can explain the rumor. Um, I did a lot of business with a certain press secretary of the Russian Federation who was based in Ottawa, who was thrown out for, uh, well, they said it was in solidarity of the uh, uh, Skype roll uh, poisoning. Um, we're talking about Kirill uh, Kalanin, mm -hmm. who was removed as the press secretary. He personally handled a lot of the communications between back channels and the Conservative Party of Canada and Pierre Polivier uh, and his handlers. He told me directly that Pierre Polivier was the biological son of Gerald Chapur <laughs> in uh, Calgary, Alberta, who was the main uh, bulldozer, so to speak, in a legal sense of Stephen Harper and the IDU. Um, I don't believe that uh, Mr. Kalanen was lying to me. Um, neither was Mr. Roman Rottenberg, the owner of the uh, St. Petersburg KHL franchise, whose father and uncle respectively are two of uh, Vladimir Putin's biggest uh, uh, confidants. But uh, it's well known that Gerald Chapur is a Shit. whore for the IDU. And if I'm wrong, I'll tell you what, have an independent third party take DNA from both of these gentlemen. Let's get it settled. And if I'm wrong, I will go away forever. I will personally go out and work while I'm wearing a dress in high heels, doing whatever you want, shoveling shit out of a barn for Gerald Shapur. But I'm not wrong. And if I am wrong, then shut me up and do it that way. Do it by an independent oh third party. Oh, my God. That is so funny. I told you it would be fun. I told you this would be a fun show. Um, so what's the rumor then? Because like, here's a couple of things that we do know about. Pierre Polyev's familial history. And last week, this should not be a surprise we're talking about this. And by the way, I do not care. Um, but like last week, we said, hey, listen, um, we need American style politics and American style media in this country. If he's going to take it into the gutter, then we should take it into the gutter too. Uh, we That's took a, a problem. We solid run at Justin Trudeau for eight years about his connection to the Castros, which doesn't exist, but it's a fun topic. Um, how, what is the rumor about? how he became well i know how because someone had to bang somebody and then pierre polyev had to exist but like his dad his adoptive dad um and his adopt and his mother biological mother that's, no longer together that's and his true he well, was no, but his dad is yeah he was adopted right but like what is the genesis or the story that floats around about how <laughs> again here's the picture how how it's possible that jerry and pp our father-son. Seven Days Ventus Church, one of these uh, religious uh, cult deals where, uh, you know, they have the love of, uh, of God and the love of, uh, I guess, whatever else in these cult-like environments. Um, the word I heard was that uh, Chapur fathered uh, uh, um, Pierre out of wedlock with uh, this woman. And that a backstory was invented because keep in mind, Pierre Polivier was thrust into political life very, very early. You could say he was groomed for it. It's been his only um, job, right? Was, like it's been his only job in 21 years. It's been years. his only yeah. job. Yeah. 
And, and that's uh, another problem that we have across the board. If you look into all politicians, how come all of these people are independently wealthy, yet they seem to have no means to have made this money except a career in politics? Why is it that uh, politicians uh, vote to up their limits of what they can accept in terms of political gifts? Why isn't this looked at of what it is? Graft, corruption. If a politician is getting a gift, what you're really essentially telling the Canadian people is that they've been bought and paid for. Yeah. And that's part of the main problem that we have. We have a we have a prime minister who spends most of his time off on vacation, recovering from various uh, um, endings of relationships, both personal and, and with those people who sit in his cabinet. Um, we have a official leader of the opposition who uh, spends most of his time campaigning for a job when he should be spending his time developing a platform and policies and telling us Canadians how he can govern better than the current regime. It's all backwards. And if you look at the cast of characters behind both parties, yeah, not just the Conservative Party, but the Liberal Party of Canada, let's talk about Mr. James McRoberts, the owner of the property in Tofino, where the prime minister stayed. Um, these are all political uh, questions where if you look at them, you say our leadership on both sides of the aisle are owned. They're beholden to very wealthy individuals and corporations. And 100%. the biggest problem that, that people have is what about ism? Well, I know Pierre Pulliver is this, but what about Justin Contreras? You're, you're absolutely correct. Oh my They're both God. absolutely corrupt shit. That is, by the way, what about ism is the lowest common denominator for any fucking moron who doesn't have a point, who just wants to try and win an argument without actually having a question, fucking David. reason through it, right? You, like that's you what just about answered, ism is. You just answered your own question. You you said why isn't PP doing his best to actually tell us how he's going to lead this and creating some policy because he doesn't need to, because as a society, the only thing we care about is highlighting the difference of the guy we disagree with so that exactly. that's that and that happens on a daily basis to me on my radio show i will get called a lib a liberal and then a conservative like a right wing nut like literally within the same show just based on offhand comments about what i think is right in the world right like i literally had somebody I do this to me in my to my face on the weekend and it's a friend of mine and he's like oh he called me a liberal and I said I've never voted liberal in my life and he goes well then you must be NDP and I went I actually haven't voted NDP either I'm a conservative and he goes dude machinations of a fucking moron that he's just an idiot like you know I actually had to look up liberalism in the dictionary like I'm a big fan of getting it right um, like when everybody went off on woke and trying to turn that pejorative right i'm a huge huge fan of like okay well let's dig in and see what this actually means and i want to get back to pierre polyev and his dad by the way in just a second or alleged dad um but to, to your point because by the way this is do they do, the, do their paths cross david uh of like, course i'd say they crossed the genesis that's what i'd say <laughs> well no no but, like, the night that, that, that mrs pp and Jerry may be alleged to have eh, 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 after a church youth group. And then beautiful nine months later, beautiful bouncing baby boy comes along and they're like, we got to hide this because Jesus in the church is going to be really upset. And they're like, okay, let's put it up for adoption. Boom. There you go. You got a gay dad. Now. Um, anyway, I had to look up liberalism real quick. And, and, and this is, by the way, this is the goal. It's a strategy of every mouth breather on the planet. Um, 
Liberalism, what does it mean? A dictionary, Oxford says, willingness to respect or accept behavior of opinions of others, one's own, openness to new ideas, or a political and social philosophy that promotes individual rights, civil liberties, democracy, and free enterprise. That is the textbook dictionary meaning of liberalism. There's so, quite a few people watching right now you, that need yeah. to change their Twitter bios. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, dude, but it is literally a strategy to turn that into a pejorative. It's like woke. Woke means, hey, to be socially and hyper aware of social injustice, racial injustices is what it means. And they're like, overly woke means you're a pussy. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, I don't see that in the dictionary, fuckwad. And that's where I'm at is like you literally have to take it to the actual dictionary if you want to correct anybody today. And when that guy came up to you and said you're liberal or NDP. By the way, I hate them all. Like having no choice is not a choice, right? Them just running the same two assholes or the same three assholes all the time is not a choice. It's us literally being played, and we have been for hundreds of fucking years. So if you want to talk about dictionary terms, we can talk about dictionary terms. But allowing someone like that, who's clearly a fucking garage-dwelling mouth breather, to run your mental show by calling you a liberal, pointless. That guy, whoever that guy I, I is, wasn't upset about he's, it, friend, he's not really a friend. Yeah, I wasn't upset about it, and he's still a friend. And we do not see eye to eye on a lot of things, but I can still be in the same room with him because I like the guy. Um, and he can keep up with me on the drinking side of things as well. The, the one thing that I did say to him afterwards was I was I because he he sent back this note to apologize to me, and because I was like I because I turned on him and I'm like I you have your head up your ass. Just because I actually have some liberal views doesn't make me liberal. Just because I'm in the middle and I don't have any representation in the country, don't put me in one camp or the other. It, it drives me insane. And so he apologized afterwards and then said he was kidding about all of his views. And I'm like, well, that... And then I got mad at him for that. I'm like, I don't give a shit what your views are. But it, there was something that came out of that conversation that we had. We were, we were sitting in a beer gardens having drinks together. And, and he said to me, he goes, you know, I think I'm going to get into politics. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? And he goes, why is he out of work? No, he actually, he's, he's makes good money. He's yeah. makes really good money. I'm not going to say what he does. Cause that'll give it away. But he said to me, look me like straight in the eye. And he said, I'm really good at lying. I think I'd be a very successful politician. <laughs> and he wasn't fucking kidding. <laughs> He'd be awesome. Dean was think, dead serious. I think he, the revolutionary is, way to, to, to approach politics is tell the truth. Tell the truth. That's what I said. People will hate you. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The, that's the real issue. We have a, a situation now where we have politicians who say what they think we want to hear instead of standing on principles and talking yeah. from the heart and saying, look, this is what I believe. Take me or leave me. I'm not going to change my tune. And that's what we don't have. We have a liberal government talks a great game. And if you look, look at tenets of, of liberalism, they're wonderful tenets. And perhaps if somebody believed in them and allowed liberalism to breathe and stood by the the, 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 the convictions that they hold, maybe we wouldn't be in such a mess. Same thing on the conservative side. The problem is what we have are charlatans and thieves who are more concerned with consolidating and maintaining power than presiding over a government that made real change and leaving this place a little bit fucking better for our kids than they found it. That's our yeah. problem. And until Canadians yeah, yeah. get out of this liberal conservative vacuum that they're in, we'll continually be facing issues 
issues that tear this country apart. Oh, dude, they've only given us two two words to turn into a pejorative, right, David? If you could log out and log back in again just to fix your audio, it would be great. Um, but that's what they do. They, they turn these words in pejorative, which is nice. But I want to get back to Pierre Polyev's dad. <laughs> or who his dad is. Because here's my problem, okay? If, and this is a big if, it's just what David alleged. It's in the Klondike papers. Go to at pick six nine eighty nine if you want to order your advanced copy of it and read all of his receipts. There are emails, there are receipts, there are texts, there are examples. If this is his dad, okay, let's just say it is. Let's just say Gerald Shapur is Pierre Polyev's dad. Very hypothetical at the moment. Despite looking at them and knowing they look exactly the fucking same. Very hypothetical. And if he is Stephen Harper's lawyer, and if he is oh the God, lawyer look, look at Look at it's the eyes. Crazy. Stephen Harper's lawyer. And if he is the lawyer for the International Democratic Union, which is Stephen Harper's version of the World Economic Forum, uh, and it exists literally to connect with other alt-right, super religious conservatives like Boris Yeltsin, or sorry, Boris Johnson, uh, Viktor Orban from Hungary, every single Cretan, every single asshole that's involved in that machinery. That's who's involved in the IDU. And if that is the case... If indeed that is this gentleman's debt, are we not being kind of David? Are we not being shystered to some extent? Are we not being fooled like into into not asking questions about this guy's familial relationships? But, because but, if, hold the, on. if the would-be prime minister, hang on, the would-be prime minister of the fucking country is underhandedly not giving us any information about where he's from. Why, and I want to get to this in a second, why he won't sit for a security clearance, top secret NSACOP security clearance. Shouldn't we be a little fucking concerned about the fact that he is lying by omission, hiding by omission, covering his tracks up by omission, if indeed that is the case? And why, and why has he why not should said we anything concerned? about that? Yeah, why? Yeah. Well, I mean, David. And I think we all ought to be very concerned because, uh, I mean, why is the media, uh, left and right, why is the media not making an issue out of this? Why is the media not making an issue out of the very real accusations that are coming from South America in terms of the, uh, the, the better half of Mr. Polier, uh, his wife, uh, the issues of her family, the money laundering, the drug dealing, the uh, association with the FARC? the paramilitary terrorist group that has uh, been a blight on Colombia and the Colombian politics for decades. These are all real questions, which if we lived in a real democracy would be front page news, but they're not. They're not even asked. So the really important issue is here to ask why the safeguarders of our democracy, the media, are not stepping up and actually doing these investigations. Why are they not talked about? Why is it a non-issue? I mean, if you can tell me every day um, that the prime minister, tell me what color socks he's wearing or go into his laundry <laughs> as deeply as you want, but Pierre Polivier's origins, his wife's origins, these are somehow off limits, that they're uh, something that we can't broach. I mean, to me, that smells right from the top. And who owns the mainstream media? Those are the people with a vested interest in making sure that these stories do not get out, that Canadian citizens do not get a chance to look at this thing and, and make their own decisions. And uh, it's because the, 
the decision's been made on a corporate level. People who think that these polls are bullshit, well, maybe they are. But don't kid yourself. The conservatives have an excellent chance of forming the next government. And if you sleep on this, and if you say, no, I'm so far in my echo chamber, and there's no way that women, or there's no way people of Ontario in the 905 area code will vote for Pierre Polivar, I got news for you. If you don't wake up and you don't start rocking the boat, you will wake up to Pierre Polivar and the Conservative Party forming government. Now, that's neither here nor there, but I'm telling you, if you believe that on election day, that people who dislike Pierre Polivar will um, not vote for him, if they're on the fence, you're wrong. Because people, when things are bad, the economy, war is looming, they vote for change. That's human nature. What's the deal with his wife? Uh, the, I, the stories I've heard, and I, these are alleged stories, you see screenshots of it, the Galindo Prado family being notorious money launders for terrorist organizations to, you know, certain organizations inside the government. And uh, I, she appeared out of nowhere several years ago and they got married. All kinds of rumors about how he and who he used to carry on with, blah, 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 blah. However, let's leave those aside. What is the rumor? Because and is it tied to the fact that he still and she still will not sit for any governmental top secret clearance? Because he, he is not cleared to actually receive top secret information at all. Everybody else seems to be, but he is not. It, does it have to do with the allegations around her family? And what are those allegations? Is she tied well, there to are the allegations, and I'll preface, the, I'll preface this because they are extremely litigious individuals. Okay, um, alleged. So I'll preface this with, with my understanding is what I've been told and from my own perusal over the years. Her father and her uncle were both extremely involved in, uh, we'll call it finances, banking. They were supporting uh, certain organizations which would be classified as terrorist organizations in South America. And when her father was brought here, um, he, I, again, was told, and her uncle, uh, they helped funnel money into certain organizations here. They, they launder cash. And therefore, they were also used as intelligence assets by our own government okay, by our own government outfits. These people are money launderers. That's what they do. And um, they're being protected. They're being protected because they're part of the, the, the game, so to speak. It's a big machine. You feed it some money and it makes a lot of noise. All these right-wing think tanks and organizations, they got to get their money from somewhere. Hmm. And they need bankers. They need people plugged into the financial community to do it. It's one of the reasons why I tried to buy a bank in Turks and why that's in the Klondike papers. And it's why I pitched it to the RCMP. I said it would be a perfect place to be a laundry. We could launder cash through. You get intelligence real time on people you're monitoring. And it makes a great slush fund. And uh, people like her father and her uncle are very valuable commodities. Mm. All alleged, by the way, in the Klondike papers. Alleged. <laughs> alleged. <laughs> well, it's. I mean, you know, the... the it all we can only talk about the allegations but when all the allegations seem to line up in a perfect circle to steal a steal a band name of one of my favorite singers of all time maynard from tool by the way i'm super jealous i didn't get to that tool show lock like super jealous that i didn't get to the tool it's show. really good yeah no um should give us pause for concern because there seems to be a lot of quiet uh servitude around the idea that we can't know anything you know what i mean and like I'm a big fan of knowing shit before I make it like an educated decision as to who I'm going to give my time, my support to. And if I found out that there was illegality or anything untoward or that someone 
who is running to lead this country, the people in it, that we were going to give access to our federal taxpayer cash to. I don't want it to be people where rumors like this swirl and everybody just decides they're not going to pay attention to it. Right. Like, no, I, it doesn't make me fucking troubling? comfortable. What's that? You know, it's even more troubling. What's more troubling is this. Do you think the Liberal Party of Canada, do you think Pierre, or not Pierre, uh, Justin Trudeau and his brain trust aren't aware of these rumors? Of course they are. But they don't mention them. And do you think they don't mention them because they know there's no, they're, they're scared, not scared. They don't mention them because there is an agreement. There's an agreement that I overlook this, you overlook that. Look into Shopify based out of Ottawa. Look into Shopify and the liberals who are rife in with the people who own Shopify. Look at the, the, I mean, look, it's a game. And these things go on. And I think if I was the, 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 the public at large, I'd be more concerned why my team, whether you're on team red or blue, doesn't call out the illegalities on the other side. The ones that are there staring us in the face. Instead, they've become 800-pound gorillas in the room that nobody talks about. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you this is that I think what we all need after finding out about possible wrongdoing, who's your daddy and what does he do, uh, maybe cartel money being rinsed into the country, Jesus. maybe not having a security clearance. We could all use a rebel news cruise, couldn't we? Couldn't we all use a cruise oh, down absolutely. south with the people on fucking rebel news? <laughs> they put this out. I thought this was a, a joke. <laughs> Party real. on the beach with that group, huh? Dude, Holy it's geez. real. It's real. One of Canada's worst exports, which is a fake news site run by the greatest piece of shit known to media. Ezra Levent, and he is a piece of shit. One of the most compromised assholes you will ever meet. He's putting I've on lunch with him. Have you really? Have you met him? Yeah, there's pictures of me holding up his book. I had lunch with him at uh, Earl's in uh, in Calgary in 2019. Nathan Jacobson arranged it. Is he? I got not a crap copy of his book. Yeah, I know, but is he a? Uh, is he involved in the Klondike Papers? Yeah, and where the like where the fuck does he get his money? Tell me where he gets his, where he allegedly gets his money, because this is, this dude is as fucking dark and dirty as they come. Well, allegedly, I hear that a lot of his finances is coming uh, south of the border. I know that he got a lot of financing from people like Nathan Jacobson over the years um, and people of that ilk. Um, he's the poor man's version of Fox News on this side of the border. And uh, um, look. If he wants to ask real questions, any media wants to ask real questions. Okay, you've been throwing us all kinds of liberal uh, conspiracies, liberal uh, uh, scandals, and, and okay, you're highlighting them. But let's talk about the other side. I mean, if you're going to propose that this government needs to be removed, then sing up, uh, tell me why the, your side of the street should take power. But be honest and open and transparent. You're not a news organization if you can't tell the truth. Mm -hmm. What you are is a paid uh, a political hack. And, and Ezra Levant is, is a member of the Conservative Party of Canada. He's their comms guy. I mean, maybe not officially, but that's his job. To be the comms He's guy for the CBC. Conservatives? Yeah. He's their CBC. Well, is I, well, he, I, mean, I want to go to the Caribbean with the woman of the year, though. <laughs> Tammy Lish. Yeah, yeah. Get this. Guess who's Oof. guess who's going on this big trip? 
uh, Sheila Gunn Reed, who looks like a thousand miles of fucking bad road. Uh, David Menzies, uh, the whole idea behind him is if you're not getting punched, you're not getting paid. This guy is literally a piece of shit. Ezra Levent, who's about as compromised as they come and takes money out of any some of the greatest thinkers of our can. time, Dean. Uh, Alexandra Lavoie, who's the French reporter. And if I know anything about French girls, she'll be busy on that cruise ship. And then, of course, oh, Jesus, Dean. Well, it's true. Tammy Leash, Tammy Leash, who apparently rumored to have purchased a house in the Bahamas. Crazy that this 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 boat is going to travel to the Bahamas. And it's crazy that you can get off a boat and go and take a whole bunch of money into a bank somewhere in the Bahamas and no one asks you any questions. That's crazy to me, too. But what is fascinating I about this know whole how thing it's selling. is that you've got lit. It's not. It, it, it's it, dude. You got literally. It might like, be like one of the most disgusting exports of shit news, like the National Enquirer of shit news in Canada and people who literally take dark money to further the narrative autocratic governments. These guys are the Pez dispensers of bullshit and they're going to they're, they're they're touting that it's going to be a fun time. That it's going to be a great time. I'm like we're all going to go and have a great that, cruise. Dude, I got to play it for you. Yeah, I'll play it for you. Of Ezra, you mean? Yeah. Oh, dude, no one sells a shit cruise like this guy. Tell me how they much fun it would be to go with him. Yeah, I know. They got billboards. They got Watch billboards in Alberta. Going on a cruise with a whole bunch of rebels. We're sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on March 23rd, 2024. That's not so far away, less than six months away. A gorgeous trip around the Caribbean. Holland America Line. Boy, is that luxurious. It is. And we're going to bring some of our favorite rebel talent. Sheila Reed. David Menzies, oh, and can you believe yes. it? We're actually bringing Tamara Leach with us for the oh, whole week, and God. you are invited. Go to rebelnewscruise.com to find out the details, to it's check amazing. out the different cabins we have, to check out the itinerary, this and the amazing. pricing depends on how fast you spend time in a Mexican I'm prison. the word fancy, because it is. It's a great vacation, but it's also a seminar. When we're at sea, we're going to have panel discussions in the ship's theater. You'll get involved, and every night at dinner, you'll sit with a different rebel personality. Oh, I could think of nothing I would love more than to sit with a different fucking degenerate trying to be a reporter, taking money from foreign governments on a radicalization tour with literally the dumbest people in Canadian media. That sounds like a great Why do comment. I always feel like I need a lawyer when I'm on with you two? Or at least you know, that's not providing some security in front of my house. I don't care which don't. side of the aisle you 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 come from. That's yeah. not an attractive crew. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> no, just, it's no, it's not. <laughs> like I I was I laughed my ass off when I saw that. I I want to go on that tour. I want to go on that cruise. Someone sent it to me. Uh, someone sent me a picture of a billboard. A friend of mine. Yeah. And this was the other outside day. Of Edmonton. I, outside of Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. The Rebel News Cruise. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were driving by it, and they, they sent a picture, and they went, lock, look to see if this is real. So I went online, and I, I'm like, oh, my God, this is real. I sent it to you immediately, Dean. Like, it's so yeah. it's so good on so many levels. Yeah, dude. The, Sheila Gunn-Reed sat in front of me, who's also going on this trip. Uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed, who is legitimately... Nah, I'll save it. I've been pretty mean already. Lachlan doesn't want to get sued. She looks like a fucking monitor lizard. She just does. She might be one of the most unattractive women I've ever seen in my life. Um, Have you seen Tamara's last name? Uh, wow. 
trailer. I park. keep hearing okay. it every time Leech. I hear it. Lich. 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 Yeah, Lich. Leech. Leech. Yeah, 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 yeah. She looks like um, who is that fighter? Uh, she looks like Arturo Gotti after a twelve-round go with the. Uh, hey, I mean, Jesus, Jesus. You guys. that's just whatever. Whatever. I don't dude. know. I, I mean, that's mean, but let's. Yeah, let's, it's mean, but I like whole, it. It's, it's mean, but I dig it. Um. Anyway, this is the billboard Leech? you're talking about, Tamara yeah. Leach. This is Sheila Gunnery. Let me play this for you. The winter time. chill is setting in all that's across it. the country, including here in Alberta. You might be able to. See <laughs> <laughs> Look at those. Look at that hot crew you're going to sail with. Like three of the most unattractive fake reporters you'll ever meet in your life. A woman who thinks Canada has the Second Amendment and a French girl. You're going to hey, cruise with them coat. in March. Had, oh, yeah, I have that. That's coat? a jacket. I yeah, love yeah. that jacket. It is a jacket. Yeah, it's not a bad yeah. jacket, actually. Sheila. Yeah, yeah, that's the only good thing about you're her. Rock, Sheila's got a nice jacket. The, you're rocking the jacket, Sheila. Yeah, I yeah, she it. blocked What's me. What's known as a uh, Alcona dinner jacket from where I came from up in the uh, <laughs> the Alcona dinner jacket. I think we've done some good work here today, gentlemen. I think we really have. We've mocked the rebel. I have one. Cruise. I have what? one theory. We didn't get into Bill Burr's wife giving Trump the double thumb, oh. but I do. Before we let David uh, go, I want to ask yeah. a question because I have a theory about something that happened down in the States. Um, so about two weeks ago, I started seeing news, constant coverage of the polls in the States that suggest that out of the six main what are electorates down in the States, that Trump is leading in five of them against Biden. And everyone's like, oh my God, we're, we're panicking. Trump has a lead there's an outside chance he could be the next president of that what are we doing about this and constant stories about these polls these polls and then they do the by-elections and the dems win everywhere everything. yeah so here's my theory i think they're actually scaring the american public about the potential of trump winning again with these polls that might not even exist with the intention of making people aware that they have to vote and that you, you, you can't, you can't actually sit back and just hope that it's all going to work out. You Dude, have to get motivated. I like that. It just seemed the timing of it just seemed too coincidence. Coincidental. Is that? Well, it's, it's a matter of fact, the real political race in the United States isn't the Republican party against the democratic party. The real question is who will lead the Democratic Party into the next election? And I bet it won't be Biden. I think the they use Trump as the boogeyman, but I believe that the real uh, the real race is on who will win the Democratic primaries, because I do believe that they're ready to move off Biden. It's a, it's a yeah. way to continue the regime without and dropping the 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 individual that they believe uh, the public will buy as the source of all the problems. You know what? I, I love Locke. I, I can I can I just can I just take a second and I just want to point out, Locke, I love your theory. Like generally speaking, when you go, I have a theory, I know it's gonna come with some ridiculousness that doesn't apply and you're just gaming everybody. What are you I love about? that you know exactly what I'm talking about. You no, do it all the time. Yeah, it's a game for you. It's like an operation. No, one hundred percent always truthful. No, you're just gaming us. That's what you do. You have fun with it. I love that one because in Canada 
PP's up like he's just a fucking cheap ripoff knockoff. Same rhetoric, same stuff. Uh, it all gets all the same messaging. Hands. With, yeah, yeah, same tiny little fucking hands to grab tiny little rods with. Um, but my point is, is this: is, is that is that if you want to scare people into getting out of the polls, tell them the bad guys are in the lead, and you have to vote right because well, it's I, it, I, it's almost crazy to me. And I was, I was chatting with a gentleman the other day about this. He's like, what do you make of the Republicans saying, oh, we're going to sweep all those primaries, by-election primaries, and then the Dems just wiped everybody out. Governorships wiped everybody out as well. You know, the abortion, anti-abortion, abortion thing, that got quashed by smarter people in certain states like Ohio. I thought that was interesting. And I think two things. I think conservatives use this to run up the score and make it look like nobody cares. I don't think Democrats on either side of the border or people that are liberal leaning really give a shit. And to your point, I think you're right. I think that motivating people and, and then selling out Pierre Polyev, which in Canada they've started to do as a cheap knockoff of fascism and hate that comes from the United States of America, that works. Well, he's using the same playbook. Oh, no, I think there is a bit of a difference in Canada. I think the difference is whether or not strategically they're trying to do that behind the scenes with polls and things like that, frightening yeah. the progressive side of the voters in, in Canada, which well, also will ultimately losers, be worse. Like bored losers and morons sit around for 15-minute surveys too, right? Like if as you've even called, you know when your phone rings and it's like spam survey, right? I've been called by Abacus. I've been called by Eco. I've been called by everybody, everybody. And I'm like, I have a life and I'm not angry about anything. I'm, I'm not going to spend 15 minutes giving someone my free opinion or my free input or telling them how I'm going to vote. Like, I'm just not. I think, the people I who think the difference are the fucked up lunatics who are like, I'm a warrior for Jesus and I'm going to change things. And where do they line up? They line up on the conservative side. So polls are bullshit that are literally run by people who believe bullshit. Because those are the people that are willing to respond to those things. Because they can don't say, hey, discount eighteen hundred phone calls this week, and all of eighteen hundred phone calls, forty percent of them said they're going to vote for this guy. Well, who sits around and takes those polls? Psychotic losers who have nothing better to do. That's who. I don't disagree with you, but I Thank I you. don't think we should discount because there there's an element of that as well. Who takes these polls? Morons. Who still has a landline? Blah blah blah. But I don't think we should discount how tired we are as a country of what with, with the liberals. And I think you're going to run into a situation. You're right. I think you're going to run into a situation at the polls this time around where a guy who has an office job in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, who may be liberal leaning, will go into the office and if asked, if pressured, will go, yeah, no, I voted liberal, but an actual marked down conservative because he doesn't want to see Trudeau talk on TV anymore because he hates it when I he think that'll happen up. yeah maybe I think you're right David I think I I think you and I are aligned on that I've been saying to people and and this is not me stumping for the conservatives and PP I think we're done we never vote anybody in we like we always vote people out that we are absolutely that we're sick of that is a Canadian thing whether it's you 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 can have pride in that or not um, or you can be embarrassed by it. I'm embarrassed by it, but I think we're in a situation where we're we're just we're tapped out on the liberals, and and I I'm I in that boat. Trudeau. Uh, on on Trudeau, Trudeau I think I think he is the I think he has become the lightning rod 
fairly or unfairly, and there's a lot of shit that you could say fairly, absolutely. But regardless, I think he's become the lightning rod. And unless he steps down or is removed, yeah. I don't think the Liberal Party of Canada stands a chance in hell of winning the next election. I'm not saying that joyfully or 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 with glee. What I'm no. saying is that he has become the symbol the Canadians are associating with hard times. Yeah. And mm. if he steps down and they, the problem is who do you put in his place? People say Mark Carney, he has no political profile. Um, Freeland, look, let's face it. Freeland, yours, <sighs> you have an egg, but nobody Shh, is going to, to vote for her on a popular platform. I think no. the only hope they really have, and this is something that I've heard rumblings about is an outsing in. And the name that I've been hearing is Nahid Manchi. Mm. I, I find that interesting, but I also think that Trudeau still has a um, a card in his pantyhose. I I truly believe that there's going to be some sort of an announcement in the next year regarding him and I. That's my thought. That's my thought. And I think if he did that, I think he'd fucking win. I'll leave it. At we'll that. see. I hope so, but at the end of the day, they smell blood in the water, and the blood in the water that's being smelled is coming from within that. Uh, Oh, I thought and you were going to say Sheila Gunn so, Reed. Never mind. I thought you were going to say something. Oh else. no, yeah, I smell something there. Jesus, you too. <laughs> hey, don't fucking do that here. Don't don't you look down your nose on us? I know you. I know what you say offline. We're just brave enough what? to say what it online. What do I say offline? What? Really? You want me to? You want me to out you here? Want me to talk? Want me to talk about the things that you say I or would, using listen, the language you say? I, just... I am the same every time we go on the air and off the air. I'm the same. Same cat. I am vitriolic for a reason because I enjoy it. This is who I am. I did not see anything litigious today. I've been doing this for a long time. I know where the boundaries are. And if someone comes along and says, Allegedly. I'm going to sue you for being mean or I'm going to sue you for saying rumored, they can't. So, anyway, bottom line is, no, it's not I that. don't it's, give a fuck. I don't care. It's not that. It's, 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 it seems like, I don't know, you're kicking a puppy. That's that's the, my problem with it. You think Sheila Gunn reads a puppy? puppy? That I woman has been a fire a hose of hatred and bullshit for the past like fucking three years. Ezra Levent is maybe one of the worst human beings on the planet. He doesn't care about anything other than himself and where he can get his next. What government? What organization can he get the check from? Let me get the next check from these guys. I'm going to do this vertical. Dude, There's I had a lot a fucking of fucking hour like long conversation with Callan Robinson. We had him on the show. Callan worked for Ezra. He told me where the bodies are on a podcast. I'm not wrong. I'll say what I want when I want because before it comes out of my mouth, I've actually taken the time to figure it out. That man is a danger to the Canadian society. That man is a danger. To I don't disagree. I don't disagree shit. with you. Absolutely. He is the one human thing garbage. I, uh, the one thing I think about the 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 rebel um, news thing is I think if it is if it's taken seriously by a certain demographic, um, I, I think we can all. You have a picture in your mind of the person that would take that seriously. I think most of us, most reasonable thinking human beings, when they listen to that or watch that or see content from that, are aware of what that 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 is, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like I said, the kicking the puppy thing is is poignant for me because it just it's not it's not even feasible. Like like talking about Alberta separating from the rest of Canada, right? Like we've had that conversation. Is that happening. 
No, it's not. And I'm and the thing is, is if you actually, if you actually put that to a vote, it would be crushed in a in a second. Would there be more people in Alberta that would be pro Alberta than say Ontario being pro Ontario? Yes, possibly, but anyway, that's a good statement. The Beaver. Let's let's more. be honest though. The the feelings in Alberta that exist, the people that that fan those flames for separatism, we can't forget Alberta has not been treated a hundred percent fairly. We can't say that they have. We can't say, oh, you're just whining. Let's be honest here. Organizations like Take Back Alberta, people like David Parker, the UCP, they don't come out of nowhere no. for no reason. No, they don't. They're there because the citizens have been hard done by on many levels. Has Alberta been treated fairly by Ottawa across the board? If we're honest with ourselves, we'll say no, they have not. And 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 if you look at Ontario, it, does Ontario has Ontario been treated uh, uh, differently than people in Alberta? The, the the answer is yes, they have. Quebec, yes, they have. So there are some fundamental underlying reasons that we need to look at to understand where people out West are coming from. And instead of simply shitting on them all the time and yeah. saying, well, you're, you're, you're stupid. Well, maybe their ideas are silly. Maybe they're being taken advantage of by thieves and whores and charlatans. But maybe if we were to listen with open ears and maybe if we placated them, not just uh, with, with uh, uh, words, but with real actions, maybe we could bring them back on board the Federation and they'd be a happy member of the Federation because we're stronger together than we are apart. Do you want that, though? That's the thing I See, think all the time. We... No, no. I want a prime minister who bring represents your, Bring the next puppy out <laughs> to kick. You know? I, That's it. Let me ask I, you. I want a prime minister who represents us all. I love this so much. Finally, we're doing great content. Um I, 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 here's here's the problem I have, and I'm going to do a, a podcast with Parker in the next couple of weeks when he gets back in California. Um, He's entertaining. Oh, he makes me laugh. I, we're going to talk about faith and politics. Okay, that's one of the oh. one of the podcasts we're going to do, and he and I are going to go head to head. We're going to talk about because I'm apostate, used to be in the evangelical faith. I was kind of corralled into when I was younger. As soon as I got out of high school, I'm like, this is fucked. Um, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. David Parker interests me because David Parker is trying to collect as many people that believe in the afterlife as humanly possible, as many people that believe in the Quran and the Bible as humanly possible. And he wants everybody that that wants to get into politics and see some kind of religious change instituted or brought back into politics. That's his goal. Right. So when mm -hmm. we're sitting here talking about, you know, Alberta being mistreated and that's why David Parker exists. Sure. I guess that's one of the reasons. One of the other reasons is these people are tired. They think they think they think Alberta is going to going to Satan. They think the country is becoming secular and satanic. And the whole goal for those people, literally, and I shit you not, which is why he's trying to collect as many Muslims and Christians, hardline religious conservatives as he can for his movement, because those are the two groups that he has targeted, and he's done mm -hmm. a fucking fabulous job of it. Fabulous to act as warriors on behalf of that province. And so those people give that province a terrible name to Lachlan's point. Alberta is beautiful. I lived there for the majority of my childhood. Uh, all kinds of Western sensibility Northern out place. there that doesn't exist here. We're the softest people in the East. We really are. We just run everybody's show here. And I get why Alberta goes, 
fuck those guys out east. Because when I moved out here, I'm like, fuck these guys out east. And I still feel that every time I go pay a bill or try and buy groceries, all the things that are pain points for everybody else, we just get all the attention because there's 15 million of us in this fucking province, right? That's just the way it works. That's it. Yeah, but it's more than that. It's more than that, David. And David highlighted it, right? Like we have we have been mistreated as a province because of the lack of respect for anybody outside of the East, right? I mean, I mean, and you don't you don't need to go very far to find examples of it. You don't need to go back in time to find many examples of it. The um the the cutbacks on the on the oil, you know, the carbon tax for 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 Halifax or or for for the Eastern provinces and then basically saying, yeah, no, fuck you, Western Canada. You're not going to get the same thing. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And, and there it's just, it's so blatant that, yep. and now you wonder why people are so angry. I mean, it, and, and the thing is you had, you had the, the leaders of the province all get together, which I like, I saw a picture of all of them. That group all agreed on a number of things. And if I, listen, if that isn't the death knell for the Liberal Party. <laughs> when every- you want to know why David Parker is successful? It comes down to one thing. David Parker is a brilliant guy. I mean, you may not like him. You People may completely I like him. everything, and I'm not going to sit here. But I'm going to tell you why he's a brilliant guy. He understands that politics isn't about policy. It's about emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's mastered that. Oh, yeah. And if people are underselling this guy with his plan to take back Ontario, as he's announced, I think that you're in for a world of hurt because I wouldn't bet against him because there is a certain mood in this country. And he understands that politics are nothing more than emotions. And he has captured a certain segment of this population, like you mentioned, Muslims, Christians, and he is going to leverage that faith, that belief with emotion. And he is going to cause all kinds of chaos. And if people think that he is uh, not capable of this, they're going he did to it. suffer. He did it. So he took over the Alberta government with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, yeah. I still think Absolutely. we've got a situation where if if it comes down to brass tacks, if you sit down the province as a whole and you say, all right, do you want to leave Canada? Let, let, I'm, listen, it's not going to happen. We're not going to have that referendum. We're going to have... We're going to have things that that happen behind the scenes that are just part of that the that intention until Danielle Danielle Smith and the UCP runs out of rope, and then we'll replace her. We'll put some other party in. That's how this will all go. So we just have to put up with the weirdness that she's bringing to the table for the next couple of years, and then we'll all get rid of her because that'll be it. But if you sat down everybody in Alberta and said, "All right, are you Albertan? Are you Canadian?" We're going to vote overwhelmingly to stay in Canada. And if I'm wrong about that, my wife and I are going to be going to the U-Haul and getting some boxes and we're leaving. I'm not sticking around. Yeah, come to Ontario. Doug Ford's building a t- affordable housing. That's your rumor. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even joking. If Dude, I'm I got to tell you, I would move. I might move to Alberta if people move out of Alberta at that point. Depends on the kind of money and what it looks like. It depends it's on. And listen, houses will be disastrous. cheap. Disastrous. Oh, dude, I would go there because you can get it's, probably a million dollar home for two hundred grand. It's not going to happen. Second, that happens. I hope it does. Like I said, it's not worth talking about when we had this discussion. You're the one week. talking about it. I'm not talking about it. You brought it up. 
You said it's not worth talking about after talking about it. No, no, you guys are the ones that kept kicking the puppy. So I like. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Thanks for coming. Uh, don't forget to pick up the Klondike papers wherever uh, you get your. Uh, well, fuck. There's only one place to get it. You go to at pick six one nine eight nine pick six nineteen eighty nine. Uh, that is David's Twitter feed or X feed or whatever. Where else can people pick up the Klondike papers and what's allegedly in them? Uh, well, in January, it'll be available on Amazon. Okay. <laughs> Still working through that. Why is that funny? <laughs> so we got 500 more copies to sell and uh, get them for Christmas. And I guarantee you will not be bored. All right. There you go. Uh, go read the Klondike papers. Lock and cross 957 Cruise FM in Edmonton. Thanks, David. Good to see you. Uh, David Wallace, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. You got some drinking to do this afternoon. Uh, you're back on the air tomorrow you're, morning. You listen every morning, 957cruisefm.com. You're coming on with me tomorrow, right? Maybe. We'll see. Because I, I have a I have um I have a conversation I want to have with you about um we're not gonna talk about the Rebel News cruise. Let's leave that. Why alone. not? But I do want to have a discussion with you. Oh, maybe we'll talk about Bill Burr. We'll talk about Bill Burr and Apple Watches. Yeah. Let's do that. People who wear uh, Apple watches concern me. Okay, Especially right. people who talk into them. Major that's, problem for me. That's what we're having that's a discussion it. about tomorrow. Right. I look forward to it. Thanks, buddy. And we're going to haul Jimmy out on the carpet, too, because he's got an Apple good. Watch. Okay. Cannot believe right. he can afford an Apple Watch on that salary. Good for him. He can't. Maybe he bought it with a stripper money. <laughs> he probably Thanks, did, actually. Good to see you. All right. Lock and cross, 957cruisefm.ca. That's it for us. <clears throat> Have a wonderful day, everybody. Sorry, I sound like shit. Got a cold for a few days. It is not COVID. It is a cold. And I'm at the tail end of it. Have a wonderful day. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel begins Friday, September 23rd. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.